Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome to the O Gladsome Light Podcast. This program contains preaching and teaching from an Orthodox Christian perspective to help you in your walk with Jesus Christ and to be victorious in Him. Well, welcome to the show. It's noon Monday here at W4CY. So what does that mean? That means it's the O Gladsome Light radio show here on W4CY.com with a simultaneous broadcast on K4HD in Hollywood, California. We have Skype. Address is W4CY Radio. And that'll bring you... You can be anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, and Skype in and listen to the show. Also, we have the chat room on W4CY.com. You go in there and open up the chat room, and you can chat with me during the show. Also, we have a live call-in number, 561-623-9429. One more time, 561-623-9429. And let's get this thing going. Today's show topic is called Many Gods. And I don't run after and pick topics, you know, Chad. They come. That's right. You know, they just come to me. And uh, it's like last week, you know, I was talking about who has believed our report from Isaiah 53, you know, verse 1. And today the topic is many gods. Do you think, Chad, I'm going to engage you here on the show today. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Do you think we there's many gods No, out there? sir. There's not See many. how quick I am with that? No, sir. You say no to the many gods. There's only one God. But do people chase after many gods? Yes, they do. There you go. That's See, I'm liking the way that's, that's going right there because there is only one true God. Okay? One true God. But there are many false gods that people pursue after. And we'll talk more about what are those false gods. And I'm going to give you some 
information today about those false gods and how to stay away from them and assure that you are following the one true God, okay, that the scriptures teach us. So, you know, I always do a a word study from the concordance. I happen to use Strong's. There's Crudence, but I use Strong's. God, the word God in Hebrew, number 430, is called Elohim. That's the word for God in Hebrew. Now, in the, in the Greek language, 2316 in the Strong's Concordance, and it means theos. So, in the Greek, it's theos. In the Hebrew, it's Elohim, and it means the same thing. It's talking about God with a big G. I'm not talking a little G now. And we'll talk about the little G's here in a moment, but I want to kind of lay a a little foundation on where we're going with this today about false gods, many gods. It seemed like it all changed in Genesis chapter 3.13. That's when it all changed. Remember the creation story that everything was put together on the first day, the second day, the third day, you know, God was creating and putting in place. And then on the sixth day, man was created. Remember Adam, dust of the earth, breathed into a living spirit into him. It's all recorded in Genesis. All right. And then Adam was in charge of the creation of the garden. The animals, the garden, he, he, had a, he had his work cut out for him. He named the zoo. Why he called it a hippopotamus, I'll never know, Chad. That looks like a giraffe to me. You know what I'm saying? You wonder where, where all these names come from. But it says in Scripture that a suitable helper was not found for Adam. And so God knocks him out, takes out a rib, and fashions a woman from the rib of Adam. And one day, God is bringing Eve to Adam. And he looks and he says, that's flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Now that was a suitable suitable helper for Adam in the Garden of Eden. And then they worked together in unity, in union, to maintain the garden, to do exactly what the Lord had told them to do. But there was one commandment. Wasn't there, Chad? There's only one commandment. Just one. This one commandment. It's like wet paint. Don't touch. What are you going to do? I'm going to touch it, right? Don't walk on the grass. But that's a shortcut. I'm going to walk on the grass. So we have a tendency, you know, of breaking the law. We're, if you just go down the interstate, I'm breaking the law. It says a speed limit. Wow, I can go at least five over, maybe 15 over before the popos will pull me over, right? So we're blasting. I mean, I'm going to speed limit. I'm being passed on the left side like I'm standing still, and I'm thinking the car quit. Do I have to get out of the car and see if it quit? That's a joke, you know. We don't have the rim shot here, do we? Oh, we're going to. Okay. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so there's one commandment, 
And God told Adam and Eve, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's all they had to do. That's all they had to do. Oh, it can't be too tough on these guys and this guy and this girl. Okay, you can't be too tough on them because we've done the same thing. All right. Now, the thing about Adam and Eve, they were in innocence. They didn't have a sinful nature. You think about that for a moment. Okay, they were innocent. Sin had not entered the world. Let me read from Genesis. Go ahead. They walked with God. In the cool of the day. How cool is that? That's pretty cool. (laughs) I mean, talk about communion with God, the creator, creator God being with him 24-7. They had it made in the shade, I guess you could say. But I'm looking at Genesis 3.13. It says, And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And then she said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. All right, so the blame game started, okay? But I see that everything changed at that moment. That's when they were, they ate of that, you know, she, well, let me read the actual account from Scripture. I, th- I think that's worthy of, a, of, of a reading it from the book here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, it's in, let me start with Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, And he said to the woman, Indeed, God has uh, said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it from it or touch it, lest you die. Touching wasn't wasn't part of it. Eating was part of it. She added to the word of God. Now, who taught her the word? Adam was in charge of teaching her the word. So I don't know if she didn't pay attention or he didn't do a good job of teaching her because the covenant was made with Adam. When God made covenant with Adam, that was it. There was no Eve at that time. Eve, Adam bugged God for a suitable helper, and then God gave Adam Eve, all part of the grand plan. And the serpent said to the woman, Surely you shall not die. So right there we have a challenge of God's word. Bring doubt upon the word of God. For God knows that in the day you eat eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. And that wasn't a lie. That's true. Because when they when they ate of the fruit, they had knowledge now of good and evil. See, God had them protected. Then he went and done this, and now, and the serpent didn't lie to him about that, but he does challenge the goodness of God in in this area. And when the woman saw, she saw with her eyes that the tree was good for food. Now, they had so many trees in the garden. There were so many trees to eat from, but it's like that talking about wet paint and don't walk on the grass kind of stuff. I just got to go for it, you know. Will there be penalty or, or fallout from that? Of course. Did they, did they even know what the penalty was going to be for breaking covenant with God? Well, they will understand in a rapid session here what, what God's going to do to them. 
So when the woman saw it with her eyes, and you know that's that's the eye gate. That's where it comes in, right there from the eyes. She said that the uh, tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes. See, it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. So, what isn't that what's going on today? Uh, we want to gain more wisdom, be smart. You know, why do kids go to school? Why do we send them to college and all that stuff to increase their knowledge? And there's nothing wrong with wisdom because it says that my people are destroyed because they lack knowledge. So that's scriptural. But what's going on here was different kind of wisdom. See, there's a wisdom that from comes from above, and there's a wisdom that comes from beneath. It's all in scripture. Just got to go dig it out. So she took the fruit that and ate it. She did it first. And then she gave it to her husband, and he ate it. At that moment, Adam could have said no, but he yielded to the wife, and he, he ate of the fruit. And at that moment, at that moment, they changed fathers. Think about that. Who is their father? God. They have a new father now, Satan. When did sin enter the world? At that disobedience. As soon as they ate of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, they changed fathers and sin entered into the world. And then what do we find out about that after they were kicked out of paradise and God set an angel at the doorway with a flaming sword to prevent them from coming back in, which was mercy that we read about the first murder on earth, Cain killed Abel. And his blood cried out to God from the earth. See, so let me back up here. And the Lord heard, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. If they See the change on the of the nature change right there. They were walking with him in the cool of the day. Now they're hiding from God. See, see how things change. And the Lord called to the man and says, "Where are you?" Of course, God knew where he was because he's God. But he still, for Adam's benefit, says, "Where are you?" And he said, "I heard the sound of thee in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself." But who told you that? God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man, see, he's not talking to the woman right now. He's talking to the man. Why is he talking to the man? Because God made covenant with the man right there. And the man said, the woman that you gave to me. So now we're going to blame God for this thing? You see how corrupt this thing gets now? The finger pointing starts. You gave her to me, and she gave me from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, "What is that? What is this that you have done?" And now the now so now God's having dialogue with the woman. The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. 
And the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field, and on your belly shall you go. In the dust you shall eat all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then he said to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it. All the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. There you go. God just meted out the punishment for that violation of that commandment. Does that make him an unloving God? But God is love. We read in the Gospels, God is love. God never changes. See, it's the creation that changed. Here's Adam. Here's Eve. Breaking a commandment. The curses are God. Remember, covenant. If you violate covenant, curses will come to you. If you want to know more about the blood covenant, which we're talking about right now in this moment, just go to my website, ogladsomelight.org, go to my videos, and pick on the one that says blood covenant. And there's a series of videos there that you can look at to understand more about what it means to be in covenant with God. Because we are, if, if you are in Christ, you are in covenant with God the Father through Christ right now. Because God is a covenant-making God. And listen to the radio show that I, that I talked about, religion or relationship. I did a radio show a few weeks back, and, and that tells, it, tells you everything. Unless your religion is pure, read it from James chapter 1. What is pure religion? Let's get back to this. So we define God... Elohim or Theos, depending if the Hebrew or Greek. And I said, everything changed. What happened after that? Then we see what's, we, we start, continue to read in Genesis, and then we, wow, what's this uh, flood? Noah's Ark, what was that all about? Was uh, God angry with his creation? It was time to exterminate it from the face of the earth? <coughs> So, only he talked to Noah, and Noah was righteous. And what is righteousness? It's believing, doing, saying everything God is saying to you. That's righteousness. He told Abram, get thee out of here and go to this place. And Abram was righteous because he did what God said. That's all you got to do to be righteous is do what God says, and that's all you got to do. And you're righteous with God. That's all Abram and Eve had to do is just do what God said, and everything would have been cool. They could have lived forever. But the death clock 
started when she ate and he ate. I don't think the death clock started until he ate because the covenant was made with him. See, there's something about authority. And then this is, a lot of women are going to say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, then you need to read the scriptures, okay, and find out how, where God's mind is. This this book that here on the table is, is God's revealed mind to his creation, okay? And so everything's about authority. Uh, Jesus is under the Father, and the Holy Spirit's under under them, so that there's or there's unity and complete agreement in the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's no ever disagreement. In fact, we just celebrated Theophany of, of this week in the church, in the Orthodox Church, and that's where we see the manifestation of Christ in the Jordan being baptized by John, and the Father's voice is audibly heard. And the Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove, comes down and lands on Christ. So we see the actual manifestation of the Holy Trinity right there in the Jordan. I mean, John didn't even want to baptize him. He says, no, you've got to baptize me. And Jesus, no, this has to be done in obedience and in righteousness. So you baptize me. And that's when God's Jesus, his earthly ministry began at that moment. When he proclaimed who he was, and that's what, and then uh, about three years of his public ministry—that's about all they, that creation could take before they nailed him to a cross. Because now he starts going around saying, "I am." He says, "You what? I am." So now here, and you know, and you got to look at this uh, the civilization that they've had many messiahs, false messiahs, come before Jesus. Now here's Jesus, the true messiah, shows up, and they still suspect him because they think he's one of those false messiahs. But now what happens? He sees, they see miracles. They see the dead raised. They see him walking on the water. They see the multitude fed. I mean, even Peter throwing a net over the side of the boat and ready to rip the net open because because God commanded the fish to go into the net. I mean, there's a, they're starting to see the miracles of the Son of God, the Son of Man, together, the duality, double nature of Christ being all God and all man. Now they start to see, you think if you walked with Jesus during those times, you would you believe? I would believe. I would see if his teachings, all of it, everything he said was coming from heaven. All Jesus was was a mouthpiece of the Father on this earth. He packaged, God the Father packaged uh, the Savior in a body like ours so we could relate. He, did, he could have come as an alien, in shiny, a shiny alien, and we'd have all been scared and hearts are stopped, and we'd have run under the, put rocks over our head and so forth. They still might do that, Al. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, Chad. Still chance it might do that. <laughs> right. But see, we got we got him coming as a little baby in Bethlehem, a perfect delivery system, you know, a sinless nature to come forth and tell us the goodness of God the Father, and then being such a great shepherd, die for us because we we deserved the death. We deserved it because we're sinful because of Adam and Eve, which I just talked about. And that's just, you know, Adam gave his sons a gift, a sinful nature. And those sons gave their sons, and you know, sons and daughters. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And so there's only one way to interrupt that is for the Savior to come, who is not born of a man, 
earthly man, so we interrupt that sin nature. Because remember, I talked in Isaiah, uh, to us a child is born, a born, that's in the flesh, child being born, and a son is given, that, that would be the son of God. So we see the dual nature of Christ right there in the birth, proclaimed in the, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Pretty amazing, huh? Per, perfect delivery system for us. Perfect. I mean, because Jesus is God, he could take on that role of being the suffering servant and knowing that his birth would end up in a cruel death on a cross, being at the right hand of the Father, being in heaven, being God, okay, and junking all that temporarily to come down here and deal with this lot, as we call mankind down here, and knowing that he's going to be treated in a manner that's not very nice. I mean, he, he do you know, I, I, if there's only one person on the earth, he still would have came. It's, it's all not about numbers. It's about hearts. It's about meeting the heart, getting the heart of man to be changed. And Jesus is the king of hearts, and he's the one that can change the hearts. And he presented himself to the creation. A lot of them, especially the, uh, the religious folks, didn't want it. He says, you can't talk like that because you're going to disrupt our religion. He was talking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees and to the leadership of the, of the, you know, the Sanhedrin. And they did. he said, no, you're, you're a false prophet. You're, you're not the Messiah even though he did all these miracles. And I'm going to talk more about that a little later in the show. But because of what happened, because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, now man, because of the sinful nature, starts to fashion gods for his, himself. God is already there for us. God has gave himself to us. Here's God, okay? Well, we don't want that. We want, we want this one over here. We're going to make a bunch of gods over here. Well, how's that working out for you? Don't forget, Jesus says, I come in my Father's name and you don't accept me. Someone else will come in his own name and you will accept him. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Yeah. I think that's a clue for the future. I think so, too. So, because of this whole event in Genesis 3.13, Egyptians, did they have one god or many? Many. Many gods. Ah, what about the Romans? Did they have one god or many? Many. 
Okay. L- then let's go to the Greek culture. They only have many. One. Okay. Got <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. All of that. What was Noah's Ark all about? God wanted to wipe it out. Then he, he found uh, Noah being righteous, and he got his family on board, and uh, two of two of the zoo, and, and everything that had breath in its lungs. Everything went on the ark. And people say that's preposterous. I how can you how can you believe in that stuff? You you're, you're an idiot for believing that kind of stuff. You get a, you have a weak mind. Well, I'm going to talk about the new age here in a moment because uh, that's upon us. You ever hear of the new age, Chad? Is that like the New Atlantis? I'm going to get there. New, new world age. order? No, I don't know. I hear new, and I think new world order. Okay, let, <laughs> let, let me define. The new age movement, once considered eccentric, has now reached such a level of maturity and acceptance in society that the occult has become respectable. Mm. Did we not have? Uh, uh, because of freedom of religion, in Boca Raton, didn't we have that uh, pentagram Right next to... The manger. Right. Yeah, isn't that something? The deep spiritual void. Now, listen to these words. These are very good words. The deep spiritual void that the New Age movement attempts to fill and its resultant impact on society. So there's a gap, and we got to fill the gap. There's only one way to fill the gap, and that's Jesus. There's only one person. Who's the king of hearts? Jesus. And there's a special little spot, little shape in your heart that only Jesus can fill okay it's a special little shape like a puzzle piece only he can make your heart complete but we spend all of our time and all of our energies on trying to fill that little spot with everything except jesus you ever go to a book bookstore there's you look look on look up new age stuff in the bookstore and there's so many books it'll drive you nuts there's so this prolific in the bookstore of this new age stuff reincarnation and astrology have become the acceptable norm how many times have you been in a conversation chat with somebody says what sign are you what sign are you the heiress taurus capricorn well i say i'm my sign is the cross and they go oh you're one of those religious weirdos well is, is that the sign is not that the sign, the sign of the cross? What do Orthodox Christians do all the time? Don't we make the sign of the cross? Why? Because we know that's the emblem of our victory because of Calvary. Jesus, the Son of God, nailed to the cross, buried three days, resurrected in power. Come on. That's because of the cross, we have the victory over sin and death because Jesus Trampled down death by his death. That's one of the hymns we sing in the church, trampling down death by death. Hare Krishna is echoed in George Harrison's song, My Sweet Lord. I don't know if we have time to dig that up and put it. Can you, I don't know if we want to listen to it or not. It's up to you, your show. I don't, I'll tell you what, let me pass on that and say, you guys can check this out on your own. This is something, I was listening to that song, My Sweet Lord, by George Harrison, and then the choir that's responding to him saying, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. And as we get deeper in the song, they switch it to Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, which is a mantra 
It's the mantra. What is it? What religion is that, Hare Krishna? Let me, let me get to that. Good question. Hare Krishna is the popular name for the International Society of Krishna Consciousness. The, uh, the, they call it ISKCON, I-S-K-C-O-N, a new religious movement based in Hinduism. Hinduism. So New Age rolls into this. Now I want to tie it together here. Established in America in 1965, the Hare Krishna worshiped the Hindu god Krishna as the one supreme god. Their goal is Krishna consciousness, and their central practice is chanting Hare Krishna mantra for which they are named. Isn't that amazing? Hare Krishna. And it was in George Harrison's song, My Sweet Lord. They've, you're saying, I start listening to the lyrics of uh, My Sweet Lord and go, wow, he's singing about Jesus. It's well, or you're wondering who he's calling Lord. Right. See, now we, we think that because he's saying hallelujah, because the word hallelujah uh, means praise God. Halal, Yahweh. Hmm. Halal, if you look in, uh, in the, that. if the psalm, if you go to the psalms uh, during Passover, uh, they 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 recite the great halal, which is like Psalm one thirty four, I think. Anyway, halal halal is the is the is the uh, psalm of praise, and we know the name for God is Yahweh, and so we say hallelujah, hmm. hallelujah. That's how we get the word hallelujah from those two words. Pretty interesting, huh? Let's say. Now, do you ever hear of the musical? Called Hair. I have not seen the movie or the or the play, but I've heard of it, and I've heard a couple songs out of it. Maybe. All right. Now I'm going to read one of the lyrics from the song. When the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars, then peace will guide the planets. True or false? I don't get into that. Stuff. And love will steer <laughs> the stars. Sounds like a bunch of planet worship to me. And this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. There's an Aquarius. Harmony and understanding, sympathy and trust abounding, no more falsehoods or derision, golden living dreams of visions, mystic crystal revelation, and the mind's true liberation. Aquarius, Aquarius, that's Aquarius, that's out of hair. One of the songs, uh, lyrics out of the musical hair. Sounds like another deceiving promise from Satan. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. If we had a prize right now, you'd win it. Thank you. New Age really means the Aquarian Age, the age of the enlightened man, the age of the Superman, the man with the super consciousness has begun. God is losing all importance. Man is the only thing which matters. Man is saving himself by his knowledge, by the development of his mind faculties, by liberating himself from all the powers of his old world and the world of his body. How's that? It's a mouthful. Isn't that amazing? That that's what's going on with the New Age movement. Yeah, you can even see it with um, I think some Catholicism. You see the Pope meeting with all these other yeah. different religions, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of softening everybody up. Yeah. And you see in Revelations, the whole world will worship this one person, yeah. and that has to be some type of spirit side or religious side. But it's going to be a false side. Yeah, and that's why we have to be as is wise. Wise is, is serpents, but meek as doves, you know. But but my people are destroyed because they lack knowledge. So we need to get into the Word of God and, and see you, you can't read this Word without help. 
It's just a bunch of words. I have no pictures in this Bible. It's words, 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 words. I was thinking that'd be nice if they would have thrown in some pictures here and there, but well, pictures well. are. You know, we I like have pictures. I have. <laughs> I got the Orthodox Study Bible, yep. and in in it, uh, there's a lot, a bunch of words. But every once in a while, they'll throw an icon in there of a representation of what's happening, like uh, the theophany, the baptism of the Lord, or the nativity of the Lord, or his, his death, burial, and resurrection. In a beautiful iconography in, in the Orthodox Study Bible, it helps you connect what, what's going on in the text. But really, that's why we have the church fathers, we have the scriptures, the church fathers to help us understand. And it's not, you know, it's not based on self-interpretation because we can be, is a heart desperately wicked and who can know it? We need help. Yeah, and don't go to church because you think you have to to be saved. You go there because you want to praise your God and you want to learn the word. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about worship. It's not about entertainment. It's not about flashing lights. What I mean, you wear. What's a good drum? Uh, what's a good drummer for this song? Right. You, know? you love the music. If, if you're going because you love the music, you're missing the missing the mark. That's why in the Orthodox Church, no instruments. We use our voices only. Uh, we can do uh, two, three, four part harmony. But the point is, uh, in fact, I was uh, I had a chance to go to. Uh, St. James up in uh, Port St. Lucie, and we had the Vesperal Liturgy on the eve of Theophany, and it was this beautiful, beautiful, because there's a lot of readings and from the Old Testament that relate right into the, the baptism of the Lord, and then, all, of course, all the songs, that uh, the hymns that we sing during the liturgy uh, that uh, every Orthodox knows. Every Orthodox Christian knows these songs, and uh, they're beautiful. I just... Uh, they, they help you focus your mind on what's going on. You're, you're, you're not distracted. It's not entertainment. It's, it's worship. You, you know, what, what can I say? I mean, well, I look in uh, uh, Exodus 20, and we get the Ten Commandments. Moses goes up on the mountain, and he gets the tablets of stone, and God's finger writes those Ten Commandments in there. That was covenant with the people of Israel. He comes down from the mountain, and what's he find? False gods. He's got a false god going on in the camp, and you can't be too hard on the on on the on the Jews because they learned all that in Egypt for the last four hundred years, four hundred thirty years. They're back there doing that, you know. Yeah. And here we go. Uh, so now Moses says, and God says, "Step aside, Moses. I'm going to wipe them out." <laughs> and Moses jumps in and says, "Lord, give another chance. Let me let me work with these folks here with you, okay?" And God repented, and he said, okay, you got to come back up, another 40 days. and Because he, he threw the book down. He threw the stones down and broke them right there. Broke them. Shattered it. All the covenant God made with his, with his people, his chosen people, smashed right there. So Moses had to go up and get the second edition, as they say, you know. Another 40 days. So now he's 80 days fast. There's plenty of rocks up there on Mount Sinai. Yeah, plenty of rocks. But it just amazes me that you know these these uh, the Hebrews saw all the plagues that that hit. Uh, yeah, Pharaoh in Egypt. In Egypt, yeah, yeah, and, the ten plagues, and then how it killed all the firstborn, and they were thrust out in yeah. the middle of the night, and then they had walls of water on each side yeah. of them, and they still want to melt down all their precious gold to worship a calf that doesn't even walk or talk or have meat. Yeah, it's weird to me. Yeah, it is weird to me too because you know. Uh, uh, 
because they learned that in Egypt. Because, right. but see, they're a the peculiar people. Uh, so God said, "Okay, we got to have uh, we got to have some covenant rules here. Uh, I want to give you the Ten Commandments, and you know what." You know what they are. Uh, you shall worship the Lord your God only. You yeah. only worship me, saith the Lord. And is that, well, uh, see, that's a jealous God. I will share my glory with no one. But is that is that uh, narcissistic? I don't think that's, so because, see, God knows who he is and how his, his people are to worship him. And I would think it's a security measure if you ask yes. me. I mean, even you think about that, you bring up a good point. What does a cow do? You got uh, you got this herd of cows, right? And they're in a pasture, but there's a fence around the pasture. Mm-hmm. And what are the cows doing? They if you ever drive down a country road, you'll see a cow. He'll bump up side a fence, scratch himself. He'll bump, but he's also checking boundaries. Oh, is he? Seeing how strong it is. That's oh, that's a, he feels safer now because if he gets out of that, he's going to hit by a car or a truck, and mm-hmm. he'll just be hamburger on the road, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a cow bumping against a fence. He could be scratching himself, but also he's checking boundaries, saying it's good. It's good. Boundaries are good. We have laws in our of, of of our land that are protecting us. Why do we have police? Why do you have locks on your doors? Why do you have keys for your car? Right to open the locks. Why do we have to lock everything? Because it'll get stolen. We know better now. Because people will steal stuff. Why do people steal stuff? Because they don't have it. They have an evil. Now, I was thinking about this. If Jesus was in everybody's heart around the world, we wouldn't have to have locks, lawyers, keys, or nothing, because everybody would be following the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was just thinking that the other day. What if they didn't reject him? But it was already written that they would, so. Well, yeah, that's it's all, all planned by God. Yeah, it's all part of the super. You know, I call it the super plan. You know, He's got a bigger brain than we do. It's an in, infinite brain. Exactly. Now, I want to talk a couple minutes about kings, uh, Old Testament kings. One of my favorites is Hezekiah in Second Kings eighteen four. Think about this guy, how bold he was, being the king of Israel. He removed the high places, he broke the images and cut down the groves and broke into pieces the the, the bra- brass serpent that Moses had made in those days for, for the children of incense. The children of Israel did burn incense onto it and they called it, he called it Nehushtan. I don't know if you ever heard that word Nehushtan, but Nehushtan means that thing of brass. Now think about, let's go back into the wilderness. Uh, they were grumbling against Moses. And, you don't have any water. We don't have any food. And so what happened? God sent fiery serpents to bite them. Really? Oh, he, they, were, they were being bit by these serpents. And, and so the, uh, they repented. And God said, okay, here's how. And how do we, okay, we repent, God, but we're still sick from all these serpent bites. What do we do now? And he told Moses to fashion a serpent out of brass, put it up on a standard, and anybody who looks upon that standard will be healed. Think about it. That's what God did. Well, if God commands you to make some type of graven image in gold, you know, then you do it. Because like Al said earlier, if God says it, you do it. Yes. It's that simple. But what happened is it became an idol. Oh. It served its purpose right there. Those who looked upon it were healed. Jesus even compared himself to I'll be lifted up. And if 
I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He compared himself to that to that fiery serpent that I be lifted up and people gaze upon me and look upon me will be healed. Same thing. Now, how'd they get look upon and praise mixed up? I don't know. It was just supposed to be looked upon as far look, as you said. Looked upon it, but then they... This, then they thought they started oh, worshiping. They said, "This thing's got power." Yeah. Let's take it deeper. Of, instead of God being the power source, they thought this was the power, and so they drugged this thing around for a long time. And excuse me, that was just for the ones that got bitten only. Correct? That was right for one-time use. Thank you. Okay, not not for it to be drugged around and forever. And, uh, you know, wow, we got to drag this uh, this fire serpent around. That thing weighs a ton, but but because of the miracle in the wilderness, we're going to still drag it around. Okay, and so. Hezekiah, being a righteous king, destroys it in front of Israel. <laughs> I says, yay, Hezekiah. He broke it, and he called it a Nehushtan, that thing of brass, because it, it, it served its purpose. It was an image that God had Moses fashion for the healing of the nation because they repented. You think about the order. They repented from grumbling against Moses, and then God says, make this uh, brass. Bronze always means judgment, okay? That material always uh, speaks of judgment. And if I had time, boy, you need to go look at my uh, my study on the uh, Tabernacle of Moses because all the materials used in there, uh, you know, gold and pure gold and silver and brass, okay? The first altar that they encounter is a brass altar uh, where the all the sacrifices were burned on, and that's a judgment. Uh, material. Brass is judgment, it means in, in Scripture. Someday we'll talk more about that. So, Hezekiah broke it, removed it, because it served its purpose in the wilderness. Now, King Josiah, in Second Kings 23, 25, And like unto him there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all of his heart and with all of his soul and all of his might. Does that sound familiar? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He's saying the same stuff. And he kept, and according to the, all the law of Moses, neither after him arose any like him. That was King Josiah. Okay? Today, false gods. I can think of people want power. That'd be a false god. I think, I think they're using more like self-enlightenment these days, yeah. self-power well, and stuff. Well, if you got a lot of power or you got a lot of money, or even people. I've seen people being worshipped today. Like these movie stars and these singers out there, they worship them. That's idolizing somebody. How about American Idol? They put it right there in the title. American Idol. What's more important, watching this show or learning the word? There you go. We've been given you know, time on this earth to prepare ourselves to meet a holy God. What are we doing about it? Are we preparing ourselves, or are we just... Floating through this thing like the New Agers are, you know. We're going to do it by ourselves. We don't need God. Okay, so we don't need to go to church. Okay, we're going to deal with, you know, we're going to worship Mother Earth. <laughs> That's what's going on today. Oh, yeah, they come in here all the time and tell me about how Mars is in retrograde and stuff. I just like, you're wasting your time with that stuff. <laughs> come on now. <laughs> Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before you, before me. You shall have no other gods before me, saith the Lord in Exodus 20, verse 3. 
Now, let me hop into the New Testament here. It says, 1 John 5.21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. 1 Corinthians 10.14, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I like this in Revelation 9.20. The rest of mankind who were not killed by the plagues that are talked about in, in chapter 9 did not repent of the work of their hands nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear or walk. Isn't that amazing? They won't give it up. It's just like the group in Noah's time that ended up drowning behind the boat. 1 Corinthians 10, 20-22, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. Isn't that something there? When these guys are doing the idol worship, it's not to, it's, it's to, to you know, it's demonic. It's to slew flute. It's, you know. I'm you know, good. another part of idolatry is, too, is extreme admiration or love or reverence for something or someone. Yeah. So it might not just be a deity or a false god. It could be loving something too much. All right. Like How the about? love of money is the root of all evil. Exactly. The true idolatry is the worship of self. Ooh. Think about that. That's deep. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality. Is that going on? Too much. Impurity. Too much. Passions. Evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. Right there. It's in, right in front of us. It's right in front of us. When you are in idolatry, you're really worshiping yourself because this go look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. So easy to get in idolatry. It's so easy. Just worship yourself. And I see a lot of that. I'm not saying I don't. And I'm, I got to repent daily, moment by moment for this. You know, I got to walk around my mind and take every thought captive, you know, to to the obedience of Christ. I've got to think like Jesus all the time. Acts chapter 19. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that when the handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick, their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists tried to use the same Use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by, adjure you by, the G, by Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. The seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit said to them in reply, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. But who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered them all, and overpowered them, that they all fled out of the house naked and wounded. When this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, everyone was awestruck, and the name of the Lord Jesus was praised. Also, many of those who became believers confessed and disclosed their practices. A number of them who practiced magic collected their books and burned them publicly. When the, when the value of these books was calculated, it was found to come to 50,000 silver coins. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed because of that. See the difference there? When Paul was doing it, they saw they could do it like they could do it. But see, the, they weren't in a friend of God at that time. They were outside 
They were outside. They weren't in like Paul being an apostle. When you said something about it, it hit me really good in Revelations. And like when they said, Lord, Lord, uh, we've cast out many devils in your name. Right. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. Exactly. Exactly, Chad. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. It boils down to, i got to close the show right now, we only have one God and his son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. That's one God. That's not three gods. That's one God. And you cannot, you cannot deny the cross of Jesus Christ, okay? That emblem has been put up high on the standard, just like the brazen serpent. We have to come to the cross of Christ and accept that sacrifice. That is what paid for our sin debt right there, the blood of Christ oozing out of his body onto the ground at Calvary. So I ask you, my prayer in closing, heed the words, have no false idols, no false gods, but seek the true God, the true God of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Ogladsome Light Podcast. We hope this program has encouraged you to fight the good fight of faith and walk in the accordance with the commandments of our Lord. May God bless you on your journey to salvation. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.